Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. In spite of all our communication technology, no invention is as effective as the sound of the human voice. When we hear the human voice, we instinctively want to listen in the hopes of understanding it, even when the speaker is searching for the right words to say. That's because the human voice resonates differently from everything else in the world. Conversations with creative entrepreneurs and insanely interesting people. In this interview, I speak with Jamie Tardy. At a very early age, Jamie made a decision that she wanted to be a millionaire. Paying off $70,000 in debt in 16 months allowed her to leave a six figure job and start the journey to becoming an eventual millionaire. Today's episode of The Unmistakable Creative is sponsored by Cells. That's S-E-L-Z dot com. If you're looking for a PayPal alternative to sell digital, physical products, and services, check out Cells. Cells allows you to add your products and sell from any site in minutes without any complicated setup or hassle. And they recently added the ability to give your customers a pay-what-you-want option. Many of the Unmistakable Creative listeners are already using the product and absolutely love it. Our other sponsor for today's show is FreshBooks, the simple online accounting solution for small business owners just like you who want to skip the headaches of tax time. No more hunting receipts, digging through invoices, or going through records one at a time. When I started working as a freelancer, my process for invoicing clients was disorganized, manual, and messy. Then I discovered FreshBooks. I tried it once, and I was absolutely hooked. With the click of a button, I could generate an invoice and send it right to my clients without having to track a million different attachments and documents. And it allowed me to keep track of exactly how much revenue I was generating all in one place. If you're invoicing clients on a regular basis, FreshBooks saves you time and helps you get paid faster. It's kind of a no-brainer. And for a limited time, you can try it completely free for 60 whole days. That's two months to try it and see just how much more efficient it will make your whole process for invoicing clients. Visit GetFreshBooks.com and make sure you enter the unmistakable creative in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you support our show. Jamie, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for having me, Srini. Yeah, um, you and I have, have connected years ago. I mean, when the show was formerly called Blogcast FM, and you know, you've had quite a journey. Uh, so, I guess you know, tell tell us a bit about your story, your background, and and how that has led you to to what you're up to today. 
So starting a blog, I mean, I don't really want to get into starting that sort of thing, but I knew a long, long time ago that I wanted to work for myself, right? I was did the corporate thing just like you, didn't really uh, like that route, felt like somebody was, you know, putting me in a little box and I couldn't get out. So finally, after, you know, paying off $70,000 in debt, which was a pain in the butt, <laughs> I was able to quit a six-figure job that I had. And so being able to quit really gave me a lot of freedom, which was amazing and awesome, and I didn't really know what to do with it at first. <laughs> so. Um, I started a blog because who wouldn't start a blog when you do that, right? <laughs> so realizing that that didn't really make any money. No, um, I was actually a, a business coach. I ended up becoming a business coach shortly after um, quitting my job. And the blog just sort of made sense. And I started a podcast because a long, long time ago when I was a little girl, I don't know why, but I always wanted to be a millionaire and not for the money. Cause to me, yes. I mean, my parents were pretty poor. Mm -hmm. So the money really made a big difference, like in my head when I was eight. But, uh, as I grew up knowing that I went to school and tried to get a six figure job, like as soon as I possibly could, it was definitely not about the money. It was about enjoying the life that I really, really wanted and didn't know if it was attainable. Mm -hmm. So being able to quit that job and then find something that I utterly love to do every single day has just been an immense, amazing opportunity. So let's do this. Uh, let, let's, let's dig back into the very beginning of this. I mean, $70,000 in debt. That's, that's a, that's a, I, I can't fathom it. Cause I mean, I still have, you know, probably six, over six figures of student loan debt. And when I look at that, I'm like, okay, how the hell am I going to get out of this? Which I think in and of itself is, is a story that we tell ourselves. And I want to get into the psychology of dealing with something like that because that's no small feat. I mean, on the one hand, you have sort of conflicting desires. You have $70,000 in debt, and yet you're eager to have this life made up of freedom. Uh, so let, let's talk about this. I mean, how do you get out of $70,000 in debt? Well, the first step, right, is recognizing that you have $70,000 in debt because I did the utmost I could to ignore it, right? I didn't want to add it up. I knew, and it wasn't even bad. It wasn't even like credit cards. I know a lot of people are in credit card debt, and I was at one point, I think I was in three or $4,000 in credit card debt, but we had paid that off even before the $70,000 thing. So it was a car loan. Right, a twenty thousand dollar car. We just bought a brand new car because you know that's what you do when you make good money. Um, we had student loan debt. I mean, I had student loan debt. I mean, I I spent a lot of money on student loans, and I think I had about thirty something thousand dollars, which really isn't bad considering. Yeah, right? that's nothing. And then I know, isn't that sad that we think thirty grand is like nothing? <laughs> um, and then we had a home equity loan, so it was a variable interest rate. It kind of sucked. So adding those up. And realizing that I was in 70, I was 24, by the way, I was wow. 24 and in $70,000 in debt. And I, I was like, I am never going to be able to quit my job ever because mm -hmm. of this, which is stupid, right? Now, number one, I had to admit that I got myself into this, right? Because I think sort of taking that responsibility while it hurts um, gives you the power back to be able to take care of it. Right. Because uh, I made good money, which was really good, but we spent a lot of money. We had a $250,000 house, too, and a whole bunch of, of other things. So really getting clear on that piece of, hey, I'm in this. I did this. I made some not smart choices. But we bought a brand spanking new car. Um, that sort of thing was the first step. Mm -hmm. Right. Second step, you're like, oh, crap, how do I get out? <laughs> and so realizing what I what I ended up doing was just read a ton of books. Right. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You try and <laughs> learn from someone else that knows how to do it. <laughs> so that's what we ended up doing was it was me and my husband. I was married at the time. He was a performing artist and I was the breadwinner and I was the one that wanted to quit. <laughs> 
So um, he he had a variable income. So in my brain, I'm like, I'm going to quit a six-figure job and my husband's a juggler, right? Like I, it was kind of, I never had heard of that story before. I mm-hmm. thought it was kind of crazy. So um, I, I mean, I read Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. I read all that sort of stuff to try and figure it out. And I started a plan and tried to figure out how long it would take me if I saved every penny, sold everything I owned, because I'm the type of person that doesn't like to do things for long periods of time. So I wanted to see how fast I could really get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, I made good money, and we ended up um, paying off $70,000 in debt in 16 months. Wow. And again, selling every... So we sold that $20,000 car that was brand new, um, all that other <laughs> fun stuff that totally sucked, because... I was attached to that car, which is kind of sad to say, but I had like researched it forever. I mean, it's a Honda Civic. It wasn't even that, you know, fancy Mm -hmm. of a car or anything, but I was like attached to it because I imagined like bringing the kids to school. Not that I had kids at the time, but I wanted to have kids and I imagined all that stuff in this wonderful brand new car. And uh, we sold the car when it was only two months old. I think it had like 800 miles on it or something like that total. Mm-hmm. So like taking those huge action steps to move you forward faster um, and sort of the funny thing, the flip side is last night I actually went out and bought a Honda Civic with cash. So <laughs> so I finally bought the car back because uh, I love Honda Civics. I don't, I'm not a really big car person. I think it's a cute little car. And so it was so great to, you know, give my debit card and be like, take 18 grand in cash. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really huge. Like the difference that I've come in such a short period, I mean, technically a short period of time, I think it was six years ago that we ended up selling that car, um, is huge. Mm-hmm. So I think this, this speaks to a, a much larger sort of narrative than, than getting out of debt, personally. I mean, it, just based on, on a lot of the conversations I've had on this show and, and kind of what we're going through as a society, I mean, to me, this is sort of speaking to, you know, we had a guy here, um, and you guys will have heard this by the time you're listening, who walked a dog across America, and we were talking about the, this idea of, of, you know, happiness. And he said, you know, this really speaks to sort of the existential crisis that we are, you know, going through as a middle class or an upper middle class as, as Americans and, and people all over the world where we're deeply dissatisfied with what we're doing, trying to escape it. And I, I guess for me, I mean, the question that, that comes from that is, you know, one, how do you recognize that? Two, you know, how do you do something about it when, I mean, you, you had a very realistic approach, which, which I appreciate. I mean, it's, it's much more pragmatic than sort of the, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, Pam Slim and I had talked about this to some degree, we've made ourselves miserable with the conversation of quit your job, travel the world, you know, be a misfit, you know, start a four hour work week. When in all reality, I mean, let's be honest, Tim doesn't work four hours a week. We all know that. Uh, but I, I think we, we have perpetuated almost an epidemic of sorts when it comes to this. And I'm really curious to hear your take on all of that. Yeah, what's really funny is way back then there wasn't all of that, right? When I quit out of all of this and like there was no resources online. I mean, this was seven years ago before my son was born. Um, there was none of this. And so to me, I thought like I, this couldn't be done. Thankfully, nowadays we have people that do it all the time, right? And it's not that big of a deal to be able to, um, uh, okay, it is a big deal to you. And that's the one thing that I, I have to say. So you're right. Like we hear this all the time, quit your job blah, blah, blah. Um, but for the people that are going through it right now, like remember Srini, when you went to your job every day and how bad that sucked. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how far away we can get away on the other side. And don't get me wrong. Things suck today here for me now too. I'm sure things suck for you sometimes too. It's not like, I still live with my parents. So yeah, it sucks. (laughs) 
it's not sunshine and roses, right? No. And that's okay. But but I think what's really, really awesome about you, you know, still living with your parents is that you're doing it's a conscious choice. One of the things that I think is hugely important around money just in in general is we've let money control us. Mm-hmm. And we really need to control money, right? So it's that's what gets you the freedom. That's what does all that other fun stuff. Everybody's always um, the reason why we have money is to be able to have freedom, to have whatever you want, whatever it means. The security. The I mean, I talk to a lot of women in regards to money, and it's funny their their thoughts of money are mostly security and like, oh, I can't I can't do that because I don't have enough, or it's too scary because everybody has this crazy mindset, and I can't say everybody. A lot of people have this crazy mindset around money, and especially I mean, I talk to millionaires, right? So everyone's like, well, what do they have that I don't, and I don't like? I can't believe they have a million dollars. Why don't they give it away? And all this <laughs> other stuff. There's so many things around money, belief that we have, which can kind of get crazy and, um, sort of unpacking all that takes a while and it's mm-hmm. tough and everybody still has it. No matter how much money you make, you still have all those issues with money. So what I want to do is open up the conversation on not it being a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody talks about money nowadays. <laughs> it's so silly. You had my good friend, Kate Northrup on the show and yep. me and me and Kate, Kate's from Maine and I'm originally from Maine and stuff like that. And it's just so funny the way, um, when we talk about money, Money, it's very different um, than the way most people talk about money because we've got, I mean, not that I'm saying we're perfect because there's no way we're definitely not perfect having to do with money in general, um, but we can open that conversation and not make it so heated or emotional and, and that sort of, sort of piece. So I think the opening up those communications, having more people talk about this in an open way, and it's not about like copywriting the hell out of, you know, quit your day job and live your passion kind of Mm -hmm. a thing, but really opening up the conversation and find out what people really think, I think is really important. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's going to be the focus of the majority of our chat, but, uh, but you know, I want to go back to something you just said about, you know, letting money control you versus you controlling your money. You know, it's funny, my sister is here, uh, about a week ago and she's, you know, she's going to be in a significant amount of student loan debt because she's a doctor. And we were talking about this, and, and, you know, it's funny because doctors aren't making what they used to. And she's going to be an anesthesiologist, which she'll make plenty of money. But she pulled up an article on her iPhone, and she said, you know, there was an art, I think it was some CNN or some article that said, you know, medical school, the million-dollar mistake. And she said, can you believe this? This is what they say, like that, that, that you literally could spend a lifetime to, 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 to pay off this debt. But, you know, to me, when I looked at that and I said, you know, when you've got such a gargantuan amount of it – I realized, you know, you can either become a slave to it and let it dictate your entire life or just deal with it. Like I I realized, I said, you know, okay, yeah, there's a lot of it. I don't know how we're going to tackle it, but I'm not going to let my life be dictated by that one thing because, you know, like – I thought, you know, what if you get to the end of your life and what you've accomplished is paying off debt and that's it. Mm-hmm. That, became, that became the meaning of your life. I thought, well, that's a pretty meaningless and empty life. And, you know, she said, well, she had a friend who, whose dad, you know, was, was a corporate lawyer and went to med school at the age of 40. And he said, I'm just going to keep paying it. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to live my life. Definitely. The hard thing is, is that I've got a story too, where I let money sort of, and student loans make my decisions for me. So I started out in college as an art major. I was in medical illustration, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, That's random. I know, right? Um, And what's really funny, like I I was, you know, voted most artistic in my class and and all that fun stuff. And I remember going to school and I was a computer geek too. Don't get me wrong. Like I I worked at an internet company when I was 16. 
but which is very different, right? I was an art major and computer geek. But the funny thing is, is I went to school and I started my first semester and I went, I am not going to pay because I think it was $37,000 a year. I'm not going to pay $37,000 a year so I can learn how to draw and get out and only make 50, Uh which sucks, right? Because I liked, I liked drawing. Now, number one, they had turned it into more of like a it wasn't a passion anymore and that's really difficult. So I sort of had that lesson fast Mm -hmm. when you have to draw for 50 hours straight. It's not as fun anymore as what it used to be. So I ended up going, okay, I'm really good at computers. It comes really easy to me and you can make a lot of money doing that. So it's way worth $37,000 a year to be able to make a hundred grand a year later, uh-huh. right? So I ended up switching from medical illustration to information technology, which is kind of funny, right? Uh-huh. Very different switch. And they wanted females because there's like no females back at the time in IT. So they're like, sure, no problem at all. We'll switch you over right away. And the funny thing is, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think it was a good switch for what I did just because I, I didn't want to make my passion, my hobby, Uh uh, my career, because I don't think that would have worked out well. But the funny thing is, is IT was sort of my fallback. So I was like, yeah, I'll do this. I'll make money. I started uh, going and got a job working 40 hours a week while I was in school. And that's when the debt started, right? I bought my first house when I was 19. I wanted to have exactly what my parents had. So at the age of 19, I had me and my husband, um, well, we weren't married at the time, but we had two new cars. We had a house. We had, you know, a white picket fence at 19, which is kind of silly. And so I had already got myself into these chains and I didn't even realize it, right? And I knew... Like moving forward, um, getting into all that debt, just moving forward and going, well, guess what? I don't really like IT either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who knew? Right. But I mean, the thing is, is that we can't make decisions knowing later what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. You never know. Unfortunately, you have to make the decision, the best decision you have with the information you have at the time, unfortunately. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, I, I we totally can't get tell that. the future. So so then I then I went to school for IT. And, you know, three years, I mean, I was 24 when I realized how much I hated my job. So seriously, it was like two years after I got out of school. I was like, wow, this sucks too. Now let's change careers completely. Mm -hmm. And I had a ton of debt and I felt so responsible that I had to stay at that job so I could pay off that debt. Because even intangibly in my brain for my belief, I was like, well, I can't change my career until I pay off all the debt of my previous decision. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I was afraid I wasn't going to make any money in whatever the other thing was that I chose and that I was dumb for taking on that much debt and hating what I did. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really it's, it's so funny to think about this. Right. I mean, I think back to the, the start of my career and how money was the, the determining factor. I, I had a number in mind and I said, OK, the, the number. I mean, I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area post right after the first dot com bubble burst. And, you know, I was like, OK, unless I make fifty thousand dollars. That has to be my salary. I'm not going to be able to afford to live here uh, or even survive. And I think that I made, you know, as a result of that, I made choices where my talents were mismatched with my environment. And it took 10 years to figure that out. It took 10 years to say, I've done nothing but make wrong decisions in my career. And it's all been dictated by, you know, this this story that I've told myself around money that, hey, if I go do something, like I I look back at it and I think, you know, if I had been wise and said, you know what, I'm going to take the job as an intern at some agency, you know, on the track to being a creative director, 
I probably might have made a lot more money later in my life as a byproduct of that. But like you said, you don't realize those things. It's just it's it's and, and that's kind of why I got to the point where I said, you know, I'm not going to let this dictate my life. I think that this really, to me, is one of the, the conversations that we've had a handful of times in the show about learning to separate your circumstances from your identity. Uh, that's something that, that has become very, very powerful for me is that, okay, yeah, so this is the situation, but it doesn't define who I am and where I'm going to end up. Definitely. That's huge. Because as soon as I quit my six-figure job, I realized my identity was stolen from me, which mm-hmm. is sucks. I didn't I, you don't realize when you're going through life, like when you were going through life, you didn't realize that you were making those decisions just for the money. Like it was smart. That's what successful people do is mm-hmm. they, you know, they move up and that's sort of the whole point. Um, and it, it's a huge dichotomy. Like we shouldn't be going after and making decisions solely on that, right? We want to have a successful life, not just a successful money career. So being able to me to, to quit was Oh, it was heart wrenching, which I know, like, I'm really lucky, right? I'm lucky. And I worked my butt off to be able to quit my job. But as soon as I quit my job, I was like, I am no longer the woman that's the breadwinner. I'm no longer the woman that makes six figures. Cause that meant something to me. Cause that was my whole goal, right? Mm-hmm. In life, I wanted to be a millionaire, <laughs> And I had no idea how I was going to define myself. I, and I became a mom. So actually the, the rest of the story is I, um, the reason why I wanted to quit my job is because I traveled around the world, around the country and, um, I wanted to have a baby and I couldn't, I wasn't going to leave on Monday and come home on Friday if I had a baby. So, um, while we were paying off all that debt, I was pregnant. And, um, so I quit when my son was four months old and I, I defined myself as, okay, then I'm a mom. Right. Which is what I had wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I sort of put this term, okay, now I'm a mom. And, but then that didn't really fit very well either. Not that I'm not a mom. You know what I mean? I have two, two kids now. <laughs> I am totally a mom, but that's not the identity that I really, really wanted to have. And letting go of that, being able to go, okay, I'm not the breadwinner. That doesn't really matter. I remember um, being told a story um, when I was sort of going through this struggle that really helped me is that they, they say it's, it was a, a Buddhist sort of story and it talks about looking at a tree, right? And imagine you look at the tree and in your mind, as soon as you see a tree and I'm looking out the window, I see a pond and, and some trees, I see a tree. And as soon as you see one, the name pops up in your brain, right? It's a tree. Mm-hmm. That's what we've been told. It's a tree. It could be named Whatever the hell, it doesn't matter. It exists the way it is, whether it has a label or not. And they told me, like, okay, imagine you're on an island and there is no such thing as, you know, making six figures. There is no such thing as, you know, being a mom. Who are you? Mm-hmm. And that was a really hard question because I'm like, I don't know. I've only defined myself in terms that everybody else knows, right? I'm a mom. I'm, I make good money. I'm successful, quote unquote, whatever. And really trying to get down to the essence of who you are. I mean, I did a lot of meditation at that point. I also had a very colicky baby. <laughs> so it was a really uh, tough time. And it started to strip away all the things that I had believed about myself beforehand. So really being able to sort of get down to brass tacks and just be like, who am I? Um, which is a hard question when you're not you know, defining yourself on other people's terms. Um, and I don't know if anyone ever figures it out a thousand percent over, but it really, it really helped open that conversation. So I didn't have to worry as much about 
being successful, quote unquote. If I was happy, that made a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And so really trying to, to dive into the stuff that I didn't want to look at before um, was what really happened as soon as I quit my job. So it wasn't even, you know, yay, I quit my job and now I'm happy. <laughs> it was, oh crap, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think one is there, there's this myth of, hey, hey, I quit my job. I'm happy. I think that, that that it's a really weird thing. I think that people think that you have a moment of success of any sort and that's what suddenly like you just wake up and, you know, you're running around, you know, with a shit eating grin on your face like a Zen Buddhist on ecstasy. Uh, but I, I found that's the furthest thing from the truth. But you know, you've said something three times in that last little bit about this idea of defining yourself based on other people's expectations and other people's definitions. And that, to me, is very rich territory and probably also a potential landmine, which is why I want to dig into it. Um, <laughs> there's something there that I think is very, very that, – that also is very much an epidemic of our time. Uh, and I'm very curious you know, what you think it is that, that allowed you to let go of that uh, and, and what – you know, I mean, I, I real, you, you said yourself, it's a really hard question to answer because once you get to that, I mean, the truth of who you are is probably one of the scariest things you're ever going to confront in your life. Definitely. I think one of the um, hard pieces was looking in a mirror, right? And going like, okay, what is this all about? And what do I want? I, I don't, I had a hard time asking what I wanted. And I, I I still to this day have a hard time. I'm like, oh, is everybody happy? And women do this a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like, oh, I need to make everyone happy. Moms, especially it's all about everybody else. So, um, really trying to pull it in and go, what do I want? is really important. And what do I want? That isn't what everybody else says I should want. Mm-hmm. Right. So like even just this move to Austin, everybody thought we were crazy, like nuts. And I'm like, I can always like it's well, number one, Austin is really warm compared to Maine. I moved from <laughs> Maine to Austin. So you would think they would think it'd be smart. Right. Um, but I got a lot of people going like, well, why are you doing that? You're moving away from your family. Like my mom and Matt, my husband's parents are there. Mm-hmm. But we we didn't want that to hold us back right? I want to try something new. And I don't want somebody else who, of course, my mom misses me terribly. She calls me all the time and I feel horrible because I took her grandchildren away. You know what I mean? It makes me feel really bad. But, But being able to not go on everybody else's expectations, right? It doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. I want to move to Austin. Mm-hmm. My sister-in-law was like, well, what's going to happen if it doesn't work out? I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure <laughs> it out. I'll move back. It's not that big of a deal. I don't know why um, these things are, are such an issue, right? I, I love change, number one, so that makes it a little bit um, easier. But we don't even recognize the fact that our beliefs are other people's beliefs, right? I, I ended up chatting with someone when we were talking about moving away and we're planning on going back to Maine for the summer. So, um, cause Texas is hot in the summer and I'm from Maine, so I'm probably not used to that. Texas is but, unbearably hot during the summer. You're making exactly. a wise decision. Good. See, and thankfully I've worked my butt off. So I, I have that freedom, right? So don't get me wrong. That is awesome. So mm-hmm. being able to move back and forth is really cool. But, but talking to someone who, um, almost gets mad at you for having that freedom is really interesting. You can totally see things bubble to the surface for them. Well, how, well, why can you do that? You know, I'm like, well, I worked my butt off. You know, I I have a business where I can live anywhere. Thankfully, like I could go somewhere else. I could go to Thailand with the kids if I really wanted to. And to them, it hits pain points. It hits these buttons 
of like expectations and what you're supposed to do. And like, well, I could never do that and all that other things. And unfortunately we run our lives based on other people's feelings too. Right. In Maine, no offense. I love Maine. I'm, I grew up in Maine. I've lived in a bunch of different places, but, um, the mentality there is very moving forward, right? Like all you do is you got to do what you got to do. And life is hard and winters are cold and and that's sort of the way it is. So when someone bucks the trends, it makes everybody, you know, unsettle from that rock that they've been living under for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't realize that I was doing it so much too. Me and my husband sort of had a a, a talk last uh, last year, actually only a few months ago going why are we here? Like we were planning because we wanted to move back to be closer to family and stuff like that. Cause that's what you do. Like you want to be with family, but we don't really like living here. <laughs> I mean, I like being with my family, but it's really cold in Maine for like eight months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, why are we here? And, um, thankfully we could ask ourselves this question, but a lot of people don't even ask themselves that question. They don't ask what they want mm-hmm. truly. Um, you know, and so we ended up Thankfully, I have a wonderful husband who had never been to Austin ever and was like, sure, let's move there, <laughs> right? Because he's crazy. Uh-huh. The first time he was ever here was when we moved in. Wow. Um, yeah. And we sold our house. Our In Maine, everybody's like, oh, you're never going to sell your house. It's going to take you a year to sell your house, blah, blah, blah. We sold it in 11 days. And then we were like, oh, crap. Because... <laughs> <laughs> We had no idea that it would take that long, but everybody's like, oh, the market in Maine sucks and it's going to take you forever and, and all this stuff. So, I mean, yes, people will tell you everything and you won't even recognize the fact that you'll probably think very similar things. Mm-hmm. So trying to step outside of, you know, the sphere of influence that you have and um, really ask yourself what you truly want. Mm-hmm. And it might not be, you know, it might not even be right to tell you the truth. I say that life is about progress, right? Uh-huh. We never know what we're going to want <laughs> or what's going to be good until you do it. We make guesses on goals. We make guesses on what we really want. And then we get there, right? I, I thought I was going to like Austin. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Thankfully, we got here and I'm like, oh, it's warm. This is awesome. But I know, I, who knows, right? You yeah. might, I might come out here and hate it, but I won't know until I go and give it a try. And so I think, I don't think we do that enough. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the other thing for me when I'm listening to you describe this is, is like looking at why we do the things we do. I mean, after a certain point, like, you know, when you say I have no idea, it's just the way it is, then you know you're like, okay, wait a minute, this is just robotic behavior. Now you're really just being controlled by what somebody else has told you, what somebody else has agreed is the right thing to do. When in all reality that, you know, I don't think and and I think, again, you know, this brings us back to that whole idea that even the people that you listen to on our show or the people that you see, you know, in the online world preaching all this stuff like they may not be right. You know, they may not be right about what they're telling you. Like maybe, you know, I mean, I like I always think back to the experience of living in Costa Rica. And when I was talking to to the guy who walked his dog across America, I think that we all we all have this idea that these experiences are going to completely redefine who we are and, and change us as people. And we're going to come back enlightened. And I remember telling, you know, this guy, Tyler Colson, I said, you know what? I didn't come back enlightened. I was a much better surfer when I came back. That's about it. <laughs> you know? And and I think that we, we I think we, we sometimes think that, hey, we're gonna find answers in all these things, but I think really the the question of, of why we're doing what we're doing is is one that we don't really give enough attention to. A lot of times though we don't have enough awareness, right? Yeah. Thankfully, if you're listening to the this podcast, you care about this stuff, right? So you probably have more awareness than the average person, mm-hmm. right? Because like the people in Maine don't even realize that they're doing it. And I can call them out, but calling them out probably isn't a good idea <laughs> either yeah. if they don't want to hear it. Um, but but for me, I try and set up systems where other people can call me out, mm-hmm. right? I have mastermind groups and stuff. So that way, because sometimes I can't see it either, mm-hmm. but I do think it's really important to let go of all that, right? And to realize, because 
I've interviewed 130 millionaires, mm-hmm. right? And at the beginning, I used to put them on a big pedestal. Oh, my God, he's a millionaire. It's so amazing, you know? And I thought that they were going to have these amazing, crazy insights that was going to help so much. And don't get me wrong, they have a lot of wisdom. Mm-hmm. But each person did it their own way. Yeah. Right? And they, some of them screwed the hell up. <laughs> some of them didn't know what they were doing. Some of them fell into it. Some of them worked their butt off. Like it, it depends. Everybody has their own story. And I think that's what I like to talk about a lot is I'm creating my life story, mm-hmm. right? And I want to make it as interesting as humanly possible because that's what gets me jazzed. I like change. That's why we just randomly move and stuff like that. I love going out and trying new things. And if I were to sort of do quote unquote, what's successful and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm trying, I, I like money and I like all that other stuff and that's okay too. Um, but I really, really want to have a life to look back on. Cause one of the crazy things that I've learned in interviewing all these millionaires and living my own life is really paying attention to the journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about the journey. And that's what they tell you. And it's a cliche. And I totally get that. Um, But the point that really hits home for me is when I don't want to be in the journey. Mm -hmm. And I have to be like, oh, this is part of the journey too. Damn it. (laughs) Right? Like this is it, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whatever it is, you learn all the way. I know that's cliche too, but to be able to bring the awareness to that while you're going through it, not when you're on the other side and you're like, oh, it was about the journey. Uh, You know, that's what really matters. So every day I try and think about like moving forward and taking this day as it is. And of course, I'm not going to be as productive as I want, right? Because my expectations are always way too high. Of you know, something might be good that might happen. Something might be bad that might happen. My you know, my business might be crappy, but my personal life might be awesome. It's all over the place. It's all a journey. And as long as you can be amazed at the person that you are, right? Love yourself every day. Really try. I'm really trying to pay attention to what I want and what I desire, and ask myself that question more and grow then that's what, that's what it's about, right? It doesn't matter how much money you have. People can do that, whether they're millionaires or not. Yeah. They just have more options if they have more money, right? Um, but being able to go through and listen at that each one of these stories, whether it's my story, whether, you know, everybody listening to all your different interviews, everybody has their own story. None of them are alike. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter um, in the end how much money you end up with, how much any of that stuff. It's as long as you know what you want, which a lot of people don't, mm-hmm. right? Really get to the core of what you want and not what everybody else wants. Um, but those things that really matter to you and then do more of that, mm-hmm. right? Whether or not you have student loans, <laughs> whether or not you push forward on that. I think that's um, the key thing that I learned when I w- went after the money, right? Mm-hmm. I was all about the money. Then I was like, oh crap, now I don't have any money. Um, and now I make more than I made before. And so the money will come and go. The, the, everything will come and go just sort of the way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've uncovered the fact that I need to be asking myself more questions. I need to be probably getting away from the computer and, and being out in nature a lot more. The weird, crazy stuff that seems so simplistic mm-hmm. and uh, not that big of a deal. But um, that those have been huge revelations for me. 
Okay, awesome. There, there's a, just a ton of gold here, I, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up because, I mean, it's like a perfect setup to talk about uh, really where I want to take this next is really the narrative of, of millionaires. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that it, it's taken me a long time to get my head around, you know, that, that pedestal idea you talked about, I kind of had it too, right? I remember Greg Hartle sent me a text last year. He said, by the way, he said one little piece of advice. He said, I've noticed when you talk to people who you consider really important, you sound fanboyish, he said, and you shouldn't. <laughs> And I said, that's actually a really wise observation. Uh, and but, but then he also turned me on to something that really, when I became aware of that, it was kind of like, holy crap. He said, your entire worldview is really warped in terms of how you compare yourself to people. Because he said, your filter through which you view the world is the upper echelon of people who do things. Because mm. what do I do? I talk to people like you all day long. Um, I talk to people like, you know, Scott Adams. I mean, the world's most famous syndicated cartoonist. That's, that's, he's like, these are not average people. They're not normal. Uh, and so I think it's, it's really what, what I want to talk about really, you know, we, we've spent a lot of time dissecting identity uh, and talking about our own narrative. I'm really curious uh, about sort of the, the common thread in the narrative that you have found through people who are millionaires. I mean, is there is there a common thread? I mean, I know you said it's all different uh, and you were kind of hoping that you, you could find something. I mean, what what do you, I mean, what do you think? It is? is there anything that makes them millionaires? Like, do they are the mm-hmm. stories they tell themselves different? What are their identities like? What's the identity that they've crafted for themselves? So it's funny. A lot of people ask me, what's the secret sauce, right? Everyone's (laughs) like, oh, tell me the secret sauce. And I'm always like, well, you know, there's not a secret sauce, but let me tell you this. Right. So, um, we, we wish there was a secret sauce. Well, yeah, we would Um, all be putting it on our burgers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think there, there are definitely, so after 10 interviews, I remember going to my mentor and going, wow, they're saying similar things, which was really interesting to me. Because um, that sort of, not that there's like this, you know, step-by-step plan to become a millionaire or anything like that, but um, it's really interesting to know that there are correlations. And I love data, right? So I wanted to find out, especially when uh, when the book came out. So if you, if you get the book, I, I did surveys because I like data. So I wanted to know, did they have entrepreneurial parents, mm-hmm. right? Because maybe that starts them out. And actually, to tell you the truth, it starts them out younger, which makes them successful or become a millionaire earlier is what my data found. So a lot of like really interesting stuff like that. But then there's intangible stuff. Right. And I think that's what you're sort of talking about. Yeah. Like, what is that intangible stuff that we can't, you know, grasp? And to tell you the truth, the, there's a couple things that I've found that were really important to me and actually helped me shift my worldview too. One is pretty predictable, right? That they they care about growth, mm-hmm. right? They invest in themselves. They really pay attention to getting better, right? And so it's it's a process. <laughs> so some of them uh, take longer than others. You know, some of them were 50 when they hit the, the million mark. Some of them were like 23, which is insane. Um, but the fact that they're really paying attention to always learning and always growing is huge because a lot of people don't, mm-hmm. right, that aren't millionaires. The other thing that I think is really important is that they know it's possible. Like, no, not just think, not just sort of like, eh. Because one of the questions that I had, and this is one that I asked a long, long time ago when I was eight, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to know if they knew beforehand if they were going to be a millionaire. So that was one of my questions that I used to ask at the very beginning all the time. Did you know that you were going to be a millionaire? And I don't know why that was so interesting to me. I think it was because when I was little, I sort of had this weird knowing that I would 
I would be successful, right? Like, oh, my parents instilled in me, I can do anything, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I kept asking them that. And I got mixed reviews, actually, to tell you the truth. It wasn't like, oh, 100% said, yes, I knew I was going to be a millionaire before I became a millionaire. It wasn't like that at all. Some were like, uh, some like JV Crumb was like, oh, I knew. He's like, I had the same thing. When I was eight, I wanted to be a millionaire. And I did, right? So some people were like that. Other people were like, uh, that wasn't even on my radar. I just wanted to grow something awesome, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't think having, you know, the goal of a million matters. But what I do think is knowing that it was possible. The people that did it that didn't really have that either had influences or were able to see and really know that other people could do it too. So why the hell couldn't they, Mm -hmm. right? And so having that knowing and that almost confidence in that, was really, really important. Because if you don't believe that it can happen, well, it's going to be a lot harder for you to actually have it happen. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds kind of simplistic, but that was one thing that kept showing up over and over and over again. They knew that they were enough. Like they knew that they could have a million dollars net worth. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. Um, So let's dig deeper into that because you've brought up this distinction between knowing and thinking. You know, Greg Hartle and I have talked about this quite a bit on our our backstage segments, but... uh, I mean, how do you get from thinking to, to knowing it's possible? I mean, I, I think that there's, I mean, like my own personal experience with this has been constantly leveling up. It's like, okay, I know it's possible to sell a thousand copies of a book because I did it once. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's possible, but I mean, I, I didn't set out with the goal of, hey, this is it. Like I have to make this happen. To me, it was incremental steps that kept proving to me that, you know, okay, it's possible to keep going one level higher, but I'm very curious, you know, uh, I mean, through your own journey, I mean, you've obviously learned to make that distinction between thinking and knowing, like what's, I mean, what is, what is that? Like, how do you get that? How do you make that shift? Mm, So personally, I'm very analytical, Mm -hmm. right? And so I, I think there's two sides of it, right? There's the analytical side. So I need to know someone who has done it before. Mm Mm-hmm. Or, or know that it's possible, right? So to me, it wasn't enough to read a book and be like, oh, this guy said it was possible. I could totally do it too. Like I wanted to get it directly from the source. And I wanted them to sort of be like, yeah, of course you could do it, right? That, that definitely helps too. Um, along with the exact same thing as you, like leveling up a little bit at a time, right? When I first started coaching, I was like, I suck, (laughs) you know? And then someone was like, oh, you're really amazing. And so those days that I felt I suck, I read through all my testimonials and was like, oh, I'm awesome. (laughs) So there's those silly small things. And now like, I know, like, I know I'm good at what I do Mm -hmm. um, because I've done it so long and I've created so many amazing stories for other people. Like that's, that's one thing that I know, but it took time to know that it wasn't innate. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's, I mean, and that sort of pulls into the emotional side, right? So there's sort of the analytical side. I see that it was done. It's totally possible. And then there's the other side of going, I'm not good enough. I suck. Right. Because everybody's got that. Millionaires have that too, by the way. I wanted to ask and they totally say the same thing. So it's not like this is, I mean, some of them, don't get me wrong. Some of them are like, I'm awesome. But, uh, (laughs) but a lot of them aren't. So, so don't feel bad if you have, I'm not good enough thoughts. Everybody has those. And so, but it's getting past those, Mm -hmm. right. And moving forward anyway. Right. So I like to look at things like a game, right. I'm a geek. So I used to play computer games all the time or, uh, video games. And I used to play the Sims. I don't know if you ever played that long time ago. Right. And so I remember, and I cared all about God mode and I I was a big geek. And so I actually wrote about this in my book too, because I think, I think this is 
important in, in my journey and like the shift, Mm -hmm. because my whole goal when I was little was to be a millionaire. And I remember being like, Oh, and the Sims, I want the best cars and I want the best stuff. And it's totally awesome. And I uh, got God mode and I bought everything and I was like, Oh, this is awesome. And then 10 minutes later, you're like, Oh, there's nothing left to buy. All right. Game's (laughs) over. Right. (laughs) Crap. Now what do I do? Um, so the thing is, and I've, and I've realized that I've played like the prosperity game about money and stuff like that. And as soon as you have tons of money, um, you're like, oh, great. Now what? Right. And some of the millionaires actually, it led to some of the unhappiest times of their life because they thought the money was going to mean something. So what I, I really want to do is play it like a game, right? I want to go, Hey, let's see what this mission will get me. Right. I'll move to Austin. Let's see what that does. Um, really trying to, um, not put so much pressure mm-hmm. on it all. Right. Cause in general, what we tend to do is like you said, like, Oh, I need to sell a thousand books. Oh my gosh, this is going to um, be hard or this is going to be whatever. I'm really trying to sort of look at it as, so I don't know. I don't know if this works yet. I think it will. Let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then you give it a shot, and usually if it works out, you're like, yeah, hey, that worked. I know it worked. Great. Right? And so you do that little bit, a little bit at a time, and you grow. Mm-hmm. Like looking back, I never in a million years would have thought where I would be where I am now. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, had, I knew that I was going to be successful, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know all that other stuff. I just knew that I could mm-hmm. because other people before who – no offense. I've, I've interviewed some some uh, millionaires, and I'm like, wow, they cannot spell worth <laughs> anything. Or, you know what I mean? All these silly, stupid things. I mean, they're just people. But realizing that they're closer to you, right? They're the same. They're just a person. Just like when you saw Glenn Beck, right? He's just a guy. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, celebrity, whatever. Bazillion people love him. That's great. Um, but he's still just a guy. And I think we really need to get our expectations. All the stuff that we want to do in the world has been done pretty much, mm-hmm. right? I want to go to space. That's been done, <laughs> like, thankfully. Um, there's so many things um, that has already been done. And if it's been done, you you can figure out a way to do it too, right? I think we don't give ourselves enough credit. If you play it like a game, and yeah, things are going to be scary, and yeah, it's going to be uncomfortable and all that other fun stuff. But if you play it for fun as a game, then that makes a big difference, mm-hmm. at least it does to me. Okay, awesome. So this brings up one more question, and it, it's going to kind of reference one of the conversations that has been a running thread uh, on our backstage segments about the the notion of talent and whether some people are inherently just built that way and born with certain talent and intelligence that makes them capable of reaching these goals. Uh, you know, I, I this is a this is actually a really it's been a very touchy subject, one that has caused a lot of conversations in our community, and I'm very curious uh, to hear your take on it. I mean, do you think that like you're inherently born with some talent or intelligence that leads to these kinds of circumstances. Uh, Cause I, I really wonder, I really do wonder about that. Now I'm beginning to question this because you know, the more and more I talk to to Greg Hartle about it, you know, I, I realize that maybe there's some validity there as disturbing as that conclusion is. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even, you know, one of our, our most gifted writers said that, you know, that, that we had here on the show, she said, some people have a lyric gift with words mm-hmm. And, I, you know, like I, I, I always say, you know, I was talking to Sarah Peck and I said, you know, I look at the way you write and I look at the way Amber Ray writes and I don't see that in myself. I don't have that lyric gift with pen and paper. I might have it on the air, but I definitely don't have it the way they do 
with pen and paper. I think that is something that is inherently part of who they are. And I'm really curious to hear your take on this when it comes to the world of millionaires. Mm. So, and that's okay, by the way, like everybody, I think looking at, um, millionaires and stuff like that. Yeah. People have strengths. I like to call them strengths better than gifts, but whatever, same thing, right? Some people have strengths and that's okay. Right. And some people's strengths are like ADD, which is kind of, mm-hmm. right. I, I, I interview so many millionaires and what's really funny is ADD is a running thread through, through that too. That doesn't surprise me. So crazy. And, and they get, they're pretty good at harnessing it now, thankfully. Right. And so I think that's one of the, the key pieces too. But yeah, you look at the difference, right, of, of 130 different millionaires, and they all have different strengths. It's not as though they were born knowing how to do business or whatever, right, or whatever it is. Um, a lot of, I personally think a lot of the business skills are learned, mm-hmm. right? Things like you're talking about, the, those innate talents, yeah, I think, I mean, I can draw really, really well, right? Mm-hmm. No idea why. I just always, since I was little, I was able to draw really, really well. Right. Not that I do that much of it anymore. I just do it for fun. But really being able to know that, yeah, there are some people that are born with different things than you. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. I I totally believe that you do. What I think millionaires are really good at are harnessing their strengths. Right. So if you're not a writer, Mm -hmm. and by the way, I'm not a writer, which is funny. I've, I've, I, okay, I am a writer because I am a writer because I write. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, you know, that's a key distinction. But, but classifying myself as a writer, I'm a communicator mm-hmm. and I can use writing as a form. I'm writing a book, right? I never in a million years uh, thought that the person who got a C, my only C in all of high school. <laughs> it was in English. Yeah, it was English. It was, it was writing actually. Yeah. <laughs> and my best friend growing up wanted to be an author mm-hmm. and I'm the one with the book deal, which is silly, right? Yeah. Um, but that's okay. Right. This is sort of the path. And I'm like, huh, I guess I am an author. Cool. Because I play it like a game. Right. Like, oh, let's try this. Hey, look, they actually give me money. Sweet. <laughs> um, so I think I think that's really, really important. And looking at the millionaires. Yeah, they definitely have different strengths um, and they've gotten really good at honing in on their strengths. One of the things that quite a few people have told me, they, they're like the book Strengths Finder 2.0. Like they, they recommend that book a lot. Mm-hmm. They recommend like trying to find out what you're really good at and what you get jazzed about. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you get jazzed about talking to people and really getting these deep conversations. Right. One of the millionaires I interviewed was like, you should just interview people all the time. I'm like, well, I like doing other stuff too. And they're like, no, you should just do interviews all the time. You're really good at it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. Right. And so trying to set up a business, if, if that's what your goal is, where you're only doing that and you can create revenue, that's awesome. Right. Well, and I think that's what millionaires are really good at. Coincidentally, I mean, we've, you know, we've seen our success when I, when we sat down and Greg made me strip away all the things I was average at. He said, don't do any more book marketing and launches for people. Don't do any more freelance work. Let's just have you focus on this. It will turn around, um, which is which is interesting. I think that there's there's a lot to be said for 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 focus. Well, it's hard too because <laughs> yeah, if you're an entrepreneur, well, you want to do everything, mm-hmm. right? Because well, either there's enough funds and you have to do everything, yeah, 
Or you're like, well, but I can do it better. Like, even if you're just a bit above average, we're like, no, I can do it better. Right? And it's ours and it's our baby. And, and, and having that perspective, thankfully you have Greg who can be like, yeah, no, don't do that. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, so really having that is really important, but I don't think we ask ourselves that question enough. Right. And I didn't either, especially at the beginning, at the beginning, you're wearing all hats. You're trying to figure it all out. Um, but as that's the, why millionaires know this stuff, because they're at a point in which that's what they can pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are just trying to eat, right? And they have to do book marketing because they need cash. Yeah, yeah. And then that's just part of your story. And if that's where you are, that's where you are. But if you can strip that away and really figure it out, right? Living with your parents is totally cool because you're figuring that stuff out. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being able to figure that out is part of that journey. And how do we set it up so I can do what I really love and what I'm amazing at and therefore be great at it? Instead of doing the stuff, eh, that's kind of crappy. And I think that's one thing that millionaires have gotten really, really good at. Mm-hmm. So let's do this. Let's shift gears a little bit. We've only got a little bit more time left. Uh, I, you know, talk to me about the, the process of writing a book. You know, where, actually, what I really want to talk about is the positioning of this because I think that you know, it's not like there's an endless amount of books that have been written about money. Uh, and, and that's where you – know, so I'm very curious, I mean, kind of how you approached this and, and how you positioned it so that it, it became compelling uh, and, and you know, a story that people would want to hear. Definitely. So one of the things that is compelling to me is asking stories, right? Asking the stories of millionaires. So it's not a book guru who wrote a book and was like, this is the five steps to do it, or this is my story. Like, that's great, but that's because you have the time or the whatever to write the book. I wanted to talk to people who were in it, right? Not necessarily writing books about Mm -hmm. it. I have like random weird millionaires. One guy has a company called Celebridux and he makes rubber ducky celebrities, right? Like little rubber duckies that look like celebrities. Mm -hmm. Like silly, silly things that you would probably not be talking to him because he probably wouldn't be writing a book about it. So really trying to figure out and, and I personally like compiling all that and go, if millionaires want to find a mentor, what did they do? Mm-hmm. And then I have like 10 stories of this is exactly how they did it. Here's a template that Derek Sivers gave me on how to find a mentor, right? So being able to find the the compilation of ideas that has worked for many of them, right? Every story is going to be a little different. I think it's inspiring to really pull out the stories, the especially like the before and after stories to realize that they're just people, right? So I think my book in general, which is different than like The Millionaire Next Door, which is very data-driven and this is how millionaires do this and this is how millionaires do that, right? That's great. And I liked that book because I like data too. But what I really, really wanted to know was like, how do you feel about money? And like, was it always that way? And how did you learn that? And try and get their story of the evolution. Because I do think... um, they've evolved a lot, right? You can hear it in their stories. One of the reasons why I think they're so successful is because they're they're okay with moving forward and growing and changing. And I like hearing that story of evolution. I also like the tactical things, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. The book is a lot about how I quit my job and paid off the debt, but it's also a lot about how millionaires did what they did, right? How do they start a business? Mm-hmm. What's the compilation of 100 millionaires? What did they do that was different, right? Did they have a 100-page business plan? No. I'll definitely tell you they did not. Most of them were like, I wrote it on a napkin. So an amazing business can be written on a napkin or started in college or whatever it is. So trying to figure out what those are so we don't put so much pressure on ourselves. We assume they're doing everything right, right? Like they know the right way 
and the, you know, and it's not. Everybody sort of has their own way of doing it and being able to sort of pull those together and be like, oh, these are similar ways that they do it. That's really good to know. So that's probably the best way to move forward. And that's what I've tried to do is really pull out the stories of showing that they're just people. They make spelling mistakes. They, you know, screw up all the time. (laughs) They get the times wrong for things. They, you know, don't know what they're doing half the time. That's okay. All that stuff is stuff that we don't like talking about. We assume that they're on these pedestals, just like with celebrities. But celebrities do the same thing. That's why we're all excited about listening to when they screw up, right? Mm -hmm. I want to know what millionaires screw up too. And so uh, those are big pieces of the book, especially I have a whole chapter on fear. And they were really candid and talked all about like when they're scared and what do they do when they're scared and and that stuff that we don't really um, open up very much. So that's where I was going at it with the book. I really wanted people to see that millionaires are just people. And I'm just a person, and it doesn't really, really matter. We're just all creating our own story. I love it. Uh, well, Jamie, this has been awesome. Uh, you know, I'm really, really. It was it was so cool to hear this version of your story, which was clearly very different than the one I had you tell me before. Um, I mean, I just, I've learned a ton talking to you, I and mean, I think this has been a, a really inspiring and eye-opening chat, and and one that I, I really hope helps to change the conversation that we're having around money. Uh, you know, something that I think is, is a very sensitive issue for, for many of us. So I, I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to join us and share some of your insights uh, uh, with our listeners here at The Unmistakable Creative. And I just want to say, Srini, I love what you're doing. I love how you've changed the conversation. I mean, I remember being interviewed, you know, a while ago with you and you've just come so far. Like that evolution I was talking about, like you can see it right there with you and everything that you're doing, which is just utterly amazing. So I really appreciate it. Well, and if you guys really want a painful experience, I'll link the first interview I did with Jane. (laughs) I hate doing that too. That always sucks. Don't like the old ones. No, but it, but it's huge. Someone will be able to see the growth right there, right? You, everybody's growing and you can see the growth through you, which is amazing. Cool. Uh, well, for those of you guys listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks again, Jamie. Thank you, Srini. This episode of The Unmistakable Creative has been brought to you by Cells. That's S-E-L-Z.com. If you're looking for a PayPal alternative to sell digital, physical products, and services, check out Cells. Cells allows you to add your products and sell from any site in minutes without any complicated setup or hassle. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, a ton of Unmistakable Creative listeners are already using the product and absolutely love it. Our other sponsor for today's show has been FreshBooks, the cloud accounting solution built for small business owners just like you who want to skip the headaches of tax time. If you're a freelancer or a business owner who is sending invoices to clients on a regular basis, FreshBooks helps you reduce that process to the click of a button. It helps you save time and get paid faster and track revenue all in one place. And for a limited time, you can even get a free 60-day trial. That's two whole months to try the product. So make sure you enter the unmistakable creative in the how did you hear about us section. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you support our show. Thanks for listening in on another candid conversation at the unmistakable creative. Embrace your inner misfit. Express your creative voice. And remember... The goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.